0: I've been saying for some time now that Pope Francis is preparing for the next papal conclave. The signs are there. Between his cryptic words about not expecting to be around as pope for terribly long, to his working overtime to fill the ranks of the cardinals with bishops after his own heart, Francis is clearly preparing for the next conclave, and he's taking numerous steps to ensure as much as possible that the cardinals choose a Francis II rather than a Pius XIII. And no, before anybody says it, the Holy Spirit does not choose the Pope. The bishops have free will and can pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit if they want, though there is no evidence that they have done that in many decades. So let's take a look at the latest bit of evidence that has emerged to support my thesis that he is preparing for a conclave, and also why he's preparing for a conclave, the shadow that hangs over the entire papacy at this moment. And that is the shadow of a allegedly former pontiff. Marco Tossati published a piece on his website pointing out something that few have noticed, that Francis has not had a secret consistory in seven years. He held one shortly after assuming the See of Peter by appearance, but hasn't done anything like that since. Tossati is a veteran Italian journalist and commentator with extensive contacts in the Roman Curia. Let's briefly have a look at his article. His hypothesis is that Francis has not held a consistory, or meeting of the Pope with the cardinals of the church behind closed doors, because these meetings allow the cardinals to form factions among themselves, and that they could presumably begin to form alliances to direct the next conclave. (laughs) He might have some experience with that, and doesn't want that to happen again. Instead, he wants to direct the next conclave by filling the bulk of the vacancies with his men, which he has done. Francis has chosen something like 57% of the men who will participate in the next conclave, which makes the chances of a Francis II much more likely than a Pius XIII. Patosati goes into this further. He begins with what happened at the last consistory. Quote, the consistory of February 22, 2014, was supposed to be behind closed doors in order to discuss the family, but instead it was decided from on high that it would... Be opportune to make public Cardinal Walter Casper's long address on the theme of giving communion to those whose nuptial sacrament was shattered and then civilly reformed with a new person, probably in order to open up the track in the anticipation of the synod on the family next October. But one half of the consistory remained obscured, the interventions of the cardinals, and perhaps this was not by mere chance, because after Cardinal Casper gave his long and apparently not very light presentation, several voices were raised to criticize it, so much so that in the afternoon when the Pope gave him the task of responding, to many the tone of the German cardinal seemed offended, if not angry. The current opinion is that the quote-unquote Casper theorem intends to give general permission to those whose union has been shattered, and then a new connection formed civilly to receive communion without the recognition of the nullity of their preceding nuptial sacrament. At the present time this is not the case. Based on the words of Jesus on the nuptial sacrament, which are very severe and explicit, anyone who is living in a full sacramental relationship with another without his or her first sacramental bond being declared invalid by the Church is, according to present doctrine, in a permanent state of, or situation of sin. Tosadi goes on to explain that Cardinal Mueller and Cardinal Kafara both stood in opposition to Caspar's move. Then, not long after the world got a Amoris Laetitia, and then we all know all the things that happened thereafter, Francis's fear is that a consistory could be used to foment opposition to the Francis Church program, and that cannot be allowed to happen again. These issues can cause fault lines among the cardinals to appear and sides to be taken that could and frankly likely would lead to rallying around cardinals for the next conclave, and that cannot be permitted to happen. Francis has many things, but among them he prizes being in control. This will include the next conclave, which I expect in 2022 or 2023. But all of this is complicated by something that some of you may have heard about independent analyses of the recent so-called interview with benedict the 16th archbishop gonswine and that journalist that lit up the catholic commentary world to the point that people on the international space station were asking what was going on here on earth that the, that analysis re- revealed that benedict in fact never explicitly said that francis was the pope brother bugnolo of, of the from rome blog has this story there he begins with reminding people that he was at the forefront of this question going back several years then he drops this uh, this following bit of information onto his readers. Quote, but the truth is that Benedict XVI has never called Bergoglio, quote-unquote, the Pope. Andrea Ciochini confirmed with the leading Vaticanista that all the claims that Benedict XVI said such a thing are merely the words of journalists in alleged interviews or alleged letters claiming such an interpretation of words, reports which do not contain such a statement within quotes. The latest such claim is one of the first journalistic misdirections of this kind perpetrated. I speak of the interview by the now papal spokesman Andrea Tornielli on the February 27th, 2014, which is not an interview, but Tornielli's claim passages from a letter which he alleges to have received from Benedict, end quote. The simple version of what he's saying is that this claim that Benedict explicitly named Francis the Pope in that interview has never been backed up with physical evidence. Tornielli is an interesting figure. Since 2018, Andrea Tornielli has served as editorial director of the Dicastery for Communication in Vatican City, where he was appointed by Pope Francis. In case you don't know what that office is, it is the same office that Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church is an advisor to it handles external communication tornielli is one of the men responsible for the official release of information to the press like say for example an officially sanctioned interview with the quote unquote emeritus pope who is never seen without his guard dog archbishop tornielli benedict looms large over any potential conclave because i have it on good authority that there are numerous bishops who hold the view that many of you do i know that many of you believe fervently that benedict is the actual pontiff and that francis is something else entirely Word is that several bishops agree with you, but can't say or do anything about it publicly. But Brother Bugnolo goes further. He wants Tornielli to physically produce the letter Benedict is said to have written in 2014, that is often cited by Francis' allies as saying that Benedict has said Francis is the Pope. Of course, Tornielli might not ever hear about this demand, and I guarantee you that unless there is a huge groundswell of Catholics demanding answers to these questions, there will never be a response from Rome. Remember, these are the folks who ignore pleas from the faithful about the message of Fatima and the consecration. Now, My job in all of this has been and will continue to be to present the information to you without taking an overt position on it publicly in order to let you make up your own mind because so many people who do this sort of uh, work feel like it is their job to actually direct how you think about these things. And And I'll tell you that this is a very complicated issue. I do recommend everyone read Antonio Sochi's book on Benedict XVI it takes a different position than you'd usually hear being taken on this, and he outlines the whole problem. I'm not saying it's the correct position, but it's definitely a different take on it than you see. He's the author also of The Fourth Secret of Fatima as well, and that is an excellent book if you can find a copy of it. So he's well versed in these issues, and he takes a unique position, again, on the Benedict and Francis issue that few others take. His take is that there are two popes, Whether you think Benedict is the Pope or Francis is, I think we can all agree that Benedict rejected that position. However, that book is well worth a read for a very different take on the issue. It's eye-opening. The specter of Benedict XVI hangs over all of this. Imagine the following scenario. Benedict persists, longer than anyone expects. Francis passes on to his eternal reward, whatever that may be. A conclave is called, and a new Pope is selected, perhaps Cardinal Tagli or Cardinal Zuppi or someone like that taking the name Francis II or John Paul III or Dorothy Day. (laughs) But the emeritus pope persists, and many see their pontificates as anti-pontificates, due to the remaining Benedict XVI, as well as due to their actions taken as pope. What then? These questions certainly follow Pope Francis, who must desperately want to reaffirm his claim to the papacy, despite, as I reported to you yesterday, openly admitting that he is on the verge of heresy. Some, Many would say that he has gone beyond being on the verge of heresy. But consider this. According to Pew Research, two-thirds of U.S. Catholics view Francis favorably. You might be asking why I'm focusing on Catholics in my country, and it's relatively simple. Much of this resurgence of traditional Catholicism started in the U.S. If you speak with Catholics around the world, Francis is still very popular in most places. Francis has noticed this too, judging from his usual cryptic remarks about certain kinds of secular idea systems that he has said are influencing Catholic thought in America. Although certain kinds of secular ideas are absolutely influencing his side of things, but no word on that from him. But even then, as you can see from that graph, most American Catholics have a generally favorable or neutral to favorable view of Francis. His program continues apace, and this despite there being at least three views among his critics. Those that intensely dislike him but say that Francis is the Pope. The view among his critics that say he is not the Pope, Benedict is and remains so despite Benedict saying he isn't. And then there's the view of those who say Francis isn't the Pope, and Benedict is, and that Benedict has cryptically maintained that he is by never calling Francis the Pope explicitly. Again, this this is strange and complicated stuff. But what's clear is this. A dark cloud hangs over the church because of this situation. Virtually everybody agrees from this, including uh, some of the most stridently uh, pro-Pope Francis figures out there. And there isn't much any of us can do to except to, to pray for clarity and that the veil of confusion in the church may be lifted. And when it does, much will be revealed. And it will be a rough day for the faithful when it finally comes to pass. But one thing is certain, at least for those who follow this sort of content, The church is in the hands of the descendants of the men, Bella Dodd and her friends, placed in the seminaries, men who should not be priests. So take this Lent as an opportunity to pray for penance for your own sins and the sins of the hierarchy, including their tacit rejection of the gospel that is on full display whenever they climb the steps of the ancient ziggurats or speak about fraternity and other ideas that have no roots in in the faith. These are perilous times, and they call for a faithful response from the laity. So please pray for the church and keep an eye out for my coming video on the Penitential Rosary. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.